man. There's a beverage here, huh? Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, if you whitey way in the studio with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo, what's good? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna reveal some behind the scenes here. You were just uh, snacking on a, a Clausen's gherkin <laughs> that looked real good. Um, and I, I, I have rediscovered my love of cornichon, which are like those mm. little tiny pickles. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, uh, yes. Because, you know, because it's been so flipping hot in Los Angeles for the last week and a half or so, uh, we've been doing a lot of like very Spanishy. oh, we're just going to put out some chorizo and some cheese and some crackers mm-hmm. and some olives <sighs> and some whatever. And part of my rotation for the cold things for lunch or dinner thing has been the cornichon. And I know usually you put them on a plate with pate or whatever, but they're just great. They're they're, and and they're, they're my ty- they're my kind of pickle in terms of level of sourness and level of mm-hmm. brininess. I don't know. I'm a big fan. Oh yeah, no. There was this really really good Eastern European place uh, in Hollywood called Sabina's. It was this couple, and it was a mom and pop shop. And you would go in, and they'd have the cornichons waiting for you, and you'd munch on it as they made like you know schnitzel or whatever. And then uh, her mother got sick, and so they had to go back to the old country. Oh. And they're like, "Don't worry, we're handing it off," and we said. That they can't raise the prices because their prices were like stupid low. And of course, as soon as they left the country, these charlatans jacked up the price and then they charged you for the cornichons that were for free. Yes, it was. It was oh, the, the it went out of business so quick after. It was well, like, it should have. I, I appreciate that this is now our new podcast is all pickles all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just like brine time. News. Brine yeah, yeah. time. <laughs> Yep. Who brined you? <laughs> Who brined you? Of course, uh, that is my other friend. We know her. We love her. Drea Clark. What's good? Um, I'm also going to back you guys up on the pickle front. Mm-hmm. Dill pickles exclusively. Bread and butter <laughs> are for nightmare people. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but I actually have, I'm sure you guys have seen this. My true what's good that I have watched so many times this week sent to numerous people and it's it's a recurring but every once in a while there's a new video if i see a viral video that's baby pandas and a zookeeper that's trying to clean in some way i am in that is my religion i want rascally. oh my god this is cinema i want rascally little roly-poly always round always just like in your face baby pandas i want to try and rake with them getting in the leaves i die like the joy the honest like me sitting staring at a screen with my face stretched out in a smile because of these pandas i don't take that lightly these days you guys dave is obsessed with an instagram account that is like all round animals and it's all like 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 doggies and kitties that are either groomed to be round or they're just big roly-poly things Uh, yeah it's it's pretty addictive i'm gonna seek it out but those those pandas they're such rascals anyway that's what's good iffy hey iffy hey pickle guy what's good with you yeah 
What's oh man, what is good with me is I've gotten real into uh, a game called Among Us. Uh, it, it is a uh, social deduction game, as we all know. And there, uh, and I, I truly suggest it for everyone or just any social deduction game. If you don't know what social deduction game, they're like Secret Hitler Mafia, essentially where you have friends. Some of them are uh, the the it ones who are who are able to take out players, and y'all have to decide through much lying who is doing what but in this one everyone's on a spaceship and they have tasks and imposters can go around and kill them and you you vote uh on doing it and it's it's blown up on twitch because it's just the most fun chaos because it's just yelling at your friends and gaslighting each other until we find out who is the uh imposter and i find that to be cathartic because there are so many genuine good reasons to be yelling at people and if you can just take a break channel it. from having yeah 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 just taking a break from all this rage and just have this like manufacture rate over a so, rage over something we all know is silly like we like we're just calling we're like you idiot <laughs> we're like just mean to each other but we know it's all in fun so it's almost like Oh, I'm like letting out that same energy, but I'm not interacting with people who are uh, saying that certain people's humanity doesn't exist. I'm giving them no time, you know, but I'm getting that same release. <laughs> uh, it, it allows me to, you know, go forth uh, in the day and see all the bullshit that the world has been throwing at us. So Among Us, it's actually free on mobile devices and you can play with people on PCs. But uh, do we have a fun show today? Oh, I, do I'm we? real excited. Oh, yes. We're talking about before midnight and we're gonna have a conversation with the director of the before trilogies richard linklater uh and of course we have staff picks well since we have so much show today i'm gonna just get right to the movie discussion so drea would you do the honors to finish this thing off the finale of this trilogy series can you provide us with the synopsis for before midnight I feel like you just strapped a bomb to my chest. That was very dramatic. <laughs> um, yes, I can. So, 18 years after they met on a train somewhere near the outskirts of Vienna, nine years after they reconnected in Paris and uh, found the spark was still there, we are now with a middle-aged Jesse and Celine on a vacation in Greece with their family because they are now together. They are the parents of two twin girls who are 11-ish. Um, Jesse's son has been with them for the summer and is now going back to America to stay with his mother per their very smooth custody arrangement, which <laughs> definitely doesn't provide any tension in the family at all. And so we see Jesse and Celine settled into people who, instead of having borrowed time with each other, have constant time with each other. And all of that affects their relationship. So they spend one more evening together with us watching, um, having dinner with the friends they're staying with, and then going to a hotel for what should be a romantic night away. Um, yeah, so before midnight is Jesse and Celine, the Middle Ages. 
<laughs> yeah, th- there is something to be said about uh, a love story that takes you to the part where one of the partners is complaining about picking up socks and cleaning pee off of the toilet. Because we very rarely get that part of the relationship in movies. Um, so, yeah, I-, I-, I love that they... They, you know, that they came back a second time was already like a big a gamble and, and, and obviously it paid off really well. It was, I think, for a lot of people, like the, that middle one is the one they love the most because of the real time aspect and, and sort of providing some closure to the first movie. But yeah, this is now we're getting into the, I see your shit every day and it ain't funny anymore, you know? And, yeah. and so it's, and it's just, that is not a thing that people have often mined for drama. And this gives you everything that you've loved about the other movies, the sort of heightened level of dialogue, the, the, these performances as these characters, you know, who we've gotten to know pretty well over the course of these movies. Uh, and just sort of like, and now what, now what do we do? Well, how do we deal with being here now, being with each other, being at this place in our lives where, you know, the, the, this is, this is not the sparkly magical part. This is the day in day out. I love you, but you're making me insane part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, what I really loved about this movie is it really does. Like, I really want to talk about before we get to the, I feel like before part our traditional before part of the film, you have this, this lunch with all these different couples ranging in different ages. And it really looks like it really feels like a retrospect on the other movies of Mm. them just thinking of the idea of romance and couples and everyone giving their insights. And it was funny because it was, it was like so real and almost semi annoying in the sense of that, like couples who are together and in a stable relationship being like, Oh, romance isn't real. And it's like, well, you got it. So of course you, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah you're looking at us like, okay, you say that when you're single. You know? <laughs> the, yeah, no, I was going to say to bridge on that. This movie is structured different. They all have tweaks to them, right? The first one you're watching this whole evening. The second one is this real time that Alonzo spoke about. This Mm -hmm. one is different from them because the Jesse and Celine moments and conversations, long, long dialogues are the bookends of it. And then there's this middle piece of this extended meal where it, there's a very young couple who literally reference like having met in a similar way the year before, Mm -hmm. and then another middle-aged couple around their age. And then these two older people who are not a couple who are both widowers and, So the conversations they have about sex and romance and art is fascinating. And it's the first time we've gotten a lot of external input in this world. Mm. Um, You know, we generally have heard specifically or exclusively from Jesse (laughs) Mm -hmm. and Celine. And so hearing them interact with other people, it also cements that idea of how they are as a couple that I, you know, who's, who speaks when, who, and to me, oh, the way they nice... perform their relationship in yes, front of those people, because yeah. it yeah. comes up. How did you two meet? And they tell the story and it's clearly like a story. Of course they've told a million times and she says this joke. And then he says this joke, but you get such a different idea of them as people, because we also see, you know, her preparing food with the other women, him talking about his writing with the other men. And this is the first time we spend time with them as individuals. It's the first time we see them as how other outsiders instead of just us as outsiders. So I think there's really smart choices made to keep it fresh and to keep the idea of perspective going. And to see them as parents too. 
Yes. And so having all of that, but that also giving us all of the like Jesse and Celine conversation, because the through line for all of these is and why it works well and why the investment pays off is because they are hyper literate, very charming people with a lot to say to each other. And for a relationship like and we'll, we'll you know, eke towards this ending because there's a lot to talk about there. But, you know, there's there's that thing with a lot of people of like, oh, we grew apart and just didn't have anything to say. And this couple, you never <laughs> doubt that they will have things to say to each other. There are parts of this of this franchise that just feel like uh, like like film candy. Thing, you know, like like things that like film nerds and like acting nerds and all those nerds like really like just are loving it while some people are probably just like, okay, whatever. This is weird or this is corny. <laughs> and I think this movie had a lot of that. Oh, well, you know, we uh, what we talked about last week with the, the that walk and talk in Paris where the, there's that one single take that just keeps going. Here you get them in the car coming back from the airport after dropping the sun I off mean, at the beginning of the film. And after a while, you're like, how... Are they ever going to cut? Like, what? Uh, it's just like yes. is this the movie? Like, what's yes. happening? The first time I saw this, I honestly thought, oh, is the gimmick this time that they're just in a car? Like, <laughs> oh, they no longer even walk across cities. They now drive through them. Um, what did you guys think? So we get these, and it is, it's again, it's the gentle setup. Oh, and I'll also add, much like it is very difficult to shoot walk and talk scenes and make them look good. You guys, meals with a lot of people are the oh, worst. Like continuity. getting getting coverage <laughs> oh, yeah. of people at a table, sharing. Oof. And there are a lot of people. I know this sounds like such inside baseball, but it is the kind of there's technical things going on in this film. And it seems like the most simple film. And it all leads us along to, um, you know, they end up going to this hotel that's been gifted to them for the night, you know, that night away from the kids mm -hmm. so they can just go and have a sexy time. It's the hottest. They do have the hottest scene in all of these to me. Like there's a moment in this hotel room where they are like about to rip each other's clothes off. And I was also like, yes, I will watch this too. <laughs> what am I? If you want away? Speaking of uh, my, my horniness, there was something I liked of the, uh, you know, uh, I I really appreciate and, and enjoy just um, like normalized nudity. Like there was no reason for her to like dress up, and there was no reason for her to like be sexy. She was just on the phone, just without her top because she just wasn't at her top, and that made that so much more real to me. Because it's like, yeah, if your if your top's off, you're not gonna like put when you're on the phone, no one sees, and there's no reason, and it's just shot in a way that just is shot is as if she. There, there, there are so many inorganic bras in American yeah. film and television when it comes to sex. Yeah, inorganic bra during sex, and then that sheet that's cut like an yeah, L. Yeah, the L. That covers yeah. the woman's breast and only the man's genitals. One yeah. thing I do want to make sure to touch on in this, because we did this like overview of all three of them and watching them all together is such a unique insight that I, of course, started to like look for the callbacks and look for those mm -hmm. things. So there's a few, like there's this great thing in before sunrise where she's talking on the trolley and he kind of wants to touch her hair and he doesn't. And then in before sunset, the same thing happens, but she tries to touch his hair and then doesn't. And in this one, what stood out to me is, you know, the very first, 
the whole plea that Jesse makes to get Celine off this train with him in Before Sunrise is, you know, think of future you. What are you going to say in the future if you didn't get off the train? You're going to think about this guy. And then he employs the same technique in trying to, like, win her back again later. Like, oh, I have this letter from future you. Like, he is often. And I like that is the idea of, oh, yeah, because when people have a gimmick, they've always got that gimmick. Like, if you, (laughs) do you know what I mean? There's something so real about that, that it's threaded through all of these and it shows the deafness of writing and of performance. But I love those details. Did you guys, were there any other sort of callbacks or themes that stood out to you? One thing that stood out to me and it's so, it is, it's kind of a subtle uh, thing, but when they're kind of separated, she's in the kitchen and he's out in the garden talking. He was doing that thing where he grabbed the orange and like was bouncing it off his arm. And it was so characteristic of the type of person he's been in the previous two movies. Cause I, you know, we've met that person with the, like, they always have to be doing something with their hands and you're like, can you stop? I, you're gonna hit me with it and I'm gonna get mad and, but he's but I'm it was so like actor candy of like that's a choice that 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 was yeah. made that I really enjoyed because it was a characteristic choice that worked what I find myself thinking about is how you know the second movie we find out that he has written a book that's basically the events of the first movie and that's yeah. sort of made his name as an author in this movie we find out that he's also written a book about the events of the second movie and then written another book that has not been as popular and then he's working on another book that sounds insufferable um and do you remember the the second movie he also is giving a pitch to that bookstore before he leaves of like his next book which sounds just as like cerebral and yeah. nonsense as the book he pitches in this like the one. only yeah. good fiction he writes is what he lives for his, but anyway so what i keep yeah. thinking is like if we are blessed ever with before brunch or whatever the next one is called like <laughs> will he have will he have the honest the emotional honesty to have made this movie in into a yes. book or is that a bridge too far for jesse you know yes and yeah. his books were called this one that uh, one th- th- this time and that time this time that yeah. time and then the next one could just be the other time exactly yeah <laughs> all right well you know i even though uh i feel like i know how this is gonna go <laughs> we have to give our final review of before midnight so would you screen it stream it or skip it i'm i'm a screen it i just think yeah. these just get more delicious like i i can't pick a favorite because I kind of think of this as this sort of text that all connects to it to each other and it's just one big movie but uh, yeah this is just gives you everything that you would want it to be and then goes to places you wouldn't have expected and gives you that too yeah I'm yeah. also obviously screen it for this screen it for all three of them it was so nice revisiting these and they hold up I find them so compelling and easy to fall into and then give you so many like nuggets of thought and things to appreciate along the way. It's they're great viewing. Yeah, definitely screen it. Uh, and you know, just it, like watching them back to back, just also seeing just the seeing the film get more crisp as you as, as they did it <laughs> yeah, as yeah. film technology goes forward because this one was like, oh, this is like Mamma Mia, uh, <laughs> and it's so interesting watching these back to back to back uh because it really you get so attached in the way the film tugs it really makes this third film hit so much harder like i'm sure it hit when you watched it but watching them back to back you're just pulled in and then you see them and you're like oh no our mom and dad 
getting a divorce and then <laughs> it just lands in a beautiful way um that's just so real uh what? But, watch uh, it it's one mega movie called couplehood yeah yeah <laughs> couplehood. i see what you did there i see you boyhood yeah, yeah. i like it uh but we're gonna take a break and when we come back we'll be talking to the director richard Linklater, just as soon as we hear from another show on maximumfun.org Manners. Noun. Definition. Rules of etiquette designed not to judge others, but rather to guide ourselves through everyday social situations. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Every week on Schmanners, we take a look at a topic that has to do with society or manners. We talk about the history of it. We take a look at how it applies to everyday life. And we take some of your questions. And sometimes we do a biography about a really cool person that had an impact on how we view etiquette. So join us every Friday and listen to Schmanners on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Welcome back to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ifi Way. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duralde. Drea Clark. And today we are joined by a very special guest. You may have heard him because we, we just spent three weeks discussing three of his films, but he's also directed School of Rock, Dazed and Confused, Boyhood, and so many others. Richard Linklater, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, great to be with you guys. Ooh, Ify, can I say you have the coolest name in the world? Oh, thank <laughs> I've, you. I, I've yeah. felt Ify my whole life, man. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. Yeah, I, the manifestation of everyone's uncertainty yeah. as uh, it was born in 1988. <laughs> 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 oh, but yeah, we're, we're excited to have you here to talk about the Before series. But before we get started, I mean, how's life been? How's the teen? I mean, also just I like to talk to creators of like ways they're trying to like maybe ideas or ways that you're trying to get around creating in the world of uh, COVID. Well, I just, I tripled down, man. I've just been really, really productive. I don't know what else oh, to nice. do when you're quarantined. It's like, Oh man, I'm busy, busy. I, I was blessed. I'd finished a, numerous productions. I had a really busy fall winter and I finished a film the week, like days before they shut everything down. Here we were shooting in Austin. They canceled South by while we were shooting. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, if, if I would have had another week of production, I would have had an incomplete film, but we got it shot. So I've just been in post-production on that. I'm finishing the oh, documentary. Nice. Uh, I've been exec producing this little uh, kind of docu-series for TV. So I've been busy with that. Mm. Um, I don't know. I do a lot of visual art too. So I'm in a studio a lot. So I'm just, I don't know, reading, watching movies. The world's horrible, it. but you know, what can you do? I'm, I'm, you know, supporting candidates, trying to raise money for people. I don't know. There's a lot of reading, a lot of books, man. Just yep. in my head, isolated on one hand, but the world is wide open, man. I've been just really digging in uh, mentally, I guess. So what can you do, man? What can you do? Uh, Showtunes people want to know if this is all uh, <laughs> messed up your schedule for Merrily We Roll Along, which I know is going to be like a an annual drop in the way Boyhood was, right? Yeah, no, actually it hasn't because we have a two-year gap. Ah. It's not every year. Boyhood was very kind of regiment every year. Merrily is nine times in 20 years. So oh, okay. there's Perfect. very few that are back-to-back -back years. So even more, you know, time. But 
it's not currently the problem. The so we yeah we did spend the last three weeks and and I think um, I'm sure it will make sense to you to hear that the first time that we took on a whole franchise and kind of divvied up week after week was the Fast and the Furious franchise. So <laughs> it was a natural follow up to Organic. the Before trilogy. Yes, just um, a real seamless. Honored and all that to be falling out of. It's yeah. been wonderful. I will say yeah. we're also like just a bit spread out in ages between us. Yeah. I am just ageless, but <laughs> the guys are on like, either side of me. And yeah. it's been a really interesting time travel device to go through each of these, go through the years with them and think about, I'm pretty close in age to the characters. And so each of the different movies have been this thing of, oh, I remember when this was like an aspirational thing, like, yes, get me on that Euro rail. Yeah. Gotta be a greasy dude for me out there somewhere. (laughs) And so it's been a really fun journey for us. And I know we've been looking at them individually. So it's, it's nice to have you here to kind of holistically pepper you with questions. Yeah. (laughs) As someone who loves going to uh, Wikipedia to try and find out what to think after a movie, this is like porn to me. It was like, all right, gotcha. Now you got to tell me what was I supposed to think by the credit rolls? I need you. Tell me. Guide me. (laughs) Yes. Every director loves to explain exactly what you were meant to take away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'm I'm a little more... I don't know if the word's honesty, but forthright than most, I will admit, you know, as a movie fan, I'm always frustrated when filmmakers, oh, it's just, there's no autobiographical. I made it all up. It's like yeah. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it isn't worth, yeah, they just obscure, you know, that's the history of film, the relationship between film directors and people wondering about it. It goes back, you know, John Ford, just interviews with those guys from that generation. They said mm-hmm. nothing. They said they almost acted like they hadn't seen their own films. You know? so, I don't know. I've always thought I just did. I, I like someone who at least is with you in the discussion uh, yeah. about what it what you were going for, at least. And uh, I'll be honest about autobiographical elements and things, because it's all a construct. It, ultimately, it's yeah. all fiction, but yeah. it's made by humans who've lived lives and we're trying to be realistic. So it's it's a lot about our lives, too, obviously. Well, well, take us back to that first draft that existed that that you and Kim Crisian wrote uh, before the casting of Hawk and Delpy, because uh, legend has it, and uh, I think the, the subsequent films bear that out that they kind of went in and rewrote a lot of stuff uh, for the for the characters. So before they kind of put their own stamp on it, what was this movie like, and and what were the what were the characters like? Ooh, yeah. Well, let's not separate this process. I mean, my goal after doing two kind of very big ensemble movies, uh, you could say Slacker has 100 people, mm-hmm. uh, Days has probably 25 people. The way I worked with actors was to have a script and then through a rehearsal workshop process, not unlike theater, you know, you just work through the dialogue. I get a lot of new ideas, I have an ear for dialogue and we're just changing it, finding new humor, finding a lot. So I, I work openly, but I'm not. we're not improvising. And I thought, my goal for the, before sunrise was to do that with just two people to mm. bring that intimate process, not in an ensemble, but to really dig in for a whole film. And I knew that's what would have to happen for that film to work, to have this, 
just talky movie between two people exploring what I felt was just a feeling, <laughs> you know, just a feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's what the movie was about, a feeling. Um, it had to be intimate and they, whatever actors I cast would have to give everything of themselves to it. So it was gonna be some kind of deep process. So when I was casting, I was looking for those people, but I knew I needed, I mean, you know, architecture, movies, I'm mm -hmm. a believer in storytelling. I don't just turn on the camera yeah. and hope something happens. That movie has a beginning, middle and end. It's in the script, everything, I mean, you know, I really believe in structure and pace and, and all, all that. So to me, that was in the script that um, Kim and I wrote and we wrote it in like 11 days. And I remember not being, oh, wow. it was like the ideas were important, the structure, but not so much. I, I knew it was a step that it was going to be something else to some degree. And we were going to do the best we could. And it was important because I needed to also raise money. You know, how do you get a film yeah. finance? If everyone, yeah. You can't say, oh, this will be good. You know, it's got to be something on the I paper. have this idea. <laughs> yeah, I need to attract actors. You can't just you yeah. can't crap. But I knew it was just, you know, every step has to be as, as good as you can make it. So that's, that's what that was. And, you know, we dug in. I'd known Kim for a number of years. And um, she hadn't written a screenplay or anything. But it was just a dialogue you know, between two people. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm going to preface this sentence with the preface. I hate everyone does, but I'm going to do it anyway. As a writer myself, uh, uh, like a lot of my ideas, uh, you know, like I are just like, Oh, that'd be fun. But this is, feels so personal going through this. And just so you know, this was my first time going through, uh, through these movies. So this is fresh eyes, really feeling it going through and seeing like the kind of just ups and downs of a human relationship. And just that, like you, like, especially sunrise for me was like what everyone hopes happens on a trip somewhere. Like you just, <laughs> man, I just need to be sitting or every dude who's sitting alone at a bar is like some, I'm going to, I'm going to see some, some lady here and we're just going to hit it off and take the night. And uh, so is that an experience that you had or were you just another guy sitting alone at a bar and you're like, this is what I'd like to happen. <laughs> well, there's definitely always a lot of that. Like, <laughs> I've been fortunate in my life to have those nights and uh, no, it was, it was very uh, personal. I always tell the story of fall of 89. I was in um, Philly, I was in Philly visiting my sister and I was only there one night, you know, when you're traveling, you're kind of open for, you know, like something you wouldn't do in your hometown or where you live, whatever entrenchment you have. But I was, I don't know. I was just, following my sister and my brother-in-law around. I think we'd had dinner and we went to a toy store and this, this young woman working there and I, you know, I'm footloose, fancy free. And she just got to talking and you know, I'm like, God, I did a bold move. I was like, I wrote her a little note and said, Hey, I'm, I'm just here one night. You want to like hang out after, you know? And she just, yeah, I get off at, you know, 10 or something. So it was, it was really cash, but we spent the whole night walking around. Wow. Walking around Philly all night, just walking and talking to people, getting to know each other. And I'm a filmmaker at this point. I've, I've done a couple yeah. of films. So I always <laughs> tell the story that I was like, hey, this is a film. And she's like, <laughs> what the film? I'm like this, just us talking. Yeah. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, no, this thing, you know, I was I talked about it that night. Yeah. That was, hey. So it was five years. It was five years of thinking about trying to capture that. It went through a lot of permeation, you know permutations. I was going to, it was going to be in Berlin, San, different towns, different 
Um, you know, she was American, he was European. It could have been anything. It could have gone in any direction, but the, I, I never, the North Star was that feeling I was trying to capture. And it mm -hmm. was gonna be like, there's, you know, most movies, you know, oh, you get the couple together, then the plot kicks in and all the conflicts. Mm -hmm. I said, no, this is very minimalist idea. So it was, it's a hard sell, obviously, but I got lucky. My movie Days came out and I felt after those ensembles, oh, I want to do that intimate film I've been talking about. Had a script and that was the next um, thing that And happened. in between got, oh. you made Suburbia and the Newton Boys, which also have enormous casts. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would love to know, because the casting of this is so crucial and you talking about your process having a theatrical element in terms of rehearsal. It this this always this may sound condescending, but it's truly noteworthy. There's so many beautiful long takes and so much dialogue. And like you said, like it's it it feels both natural but scripted. It doesn't have that meandering, yeah. oh, this is naturalism. We're all just improving. Like I can tell this story is being shaped with everything they're saying. And yet I've also seen plenty of things of actors that cannot sustain that kind of attention and that kind of movement. And there's so much when you were auditioning for these, especially if it was wide open, even in terms of nationality, how were you figuring out the actors that could portray these, not just emotionally, but like the heavy lifting you needed them to do? Heavy lifting for sure. You know, I mean, it helps to have some theatrical experience, I guess. But I mean, frankly, I was just looking for the two most, uh, you know, what's the threshold? I think intelligence is a really good play. Intelligence, um, humor, uh, just chemistry, nicely, just vibe from people. I met a lot of people and I met a lot of great people all over the map, all over. So it, it's really tough, but I just thought Ethan and Julie would, would connect. So we got them together and just kind of, you know, we rehearsed a little bit in an afternoon and I filmed them, you know, and I was like, okay, these two are the, they'll be, they'll be great together. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, they'll work with me the way I want them mm -hmm. to work. Like they contributed in the rehearsal in a way yeah. I was like, well, what would you come on? Let's put that in some different yeah. words or I'm, I'm, I'm still rewriting. My process is just rewrite, 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 rewrite until we're shooting up to the time we're shooting. But, I don't like, oh, I guess I don't know how to do improv. I wouldn't, I, I guess it can work in film a little bit, but I'm too much of a writer to think that way. So yeah. I want it to feel improvised. I, and I always think Julie and Ethan don't really get credited for the performances. I mean, they do obviously, but I don't think people know just how hard they work as actors to make it seem completely off the cuff. Oh. That's oh, yeah. really yeah. hard to do, especially in a long take and a long thing to find. But it's rehearsed, you know, every little gesture, every little oh, beat, wow. everything is really tight. Well, especially know? because the, the nature of the conversation is always so intimate that mm -hmm. the, the inflection of a certain word in a sentence can completely pivot the meaning of the sentence, or at least the subtext of what the person is really saying versus what they're, you know, what's coming out of their mouth, all that stuff they nail so well. And they often do it. Yeah. During these 11 minute, you know, steady cam shots. Yeah. And, and you don't do that in life. I've, there's a lot of, someone told me that the, these films have launched really bad films because they think, 
I'm like, yeah, get get your two best friends, smartest people you know, and start filming them, and good luck, you know? Because <laughs> improv, to me, it always feels like, if you really listen to it, they're repeating back what the other says. Mm. Like, you're an asshole. Oh, I'm an asshole? You know, <laughs> why they're just re- thinking in their head, what am I going to do next? You know, it's like, I don't have patience for that. I'm like, tell the story. Go somewhere. A, a friend of mine recently described All About Eve as a movie full of people saying the thing in the moment that they would actually have thought of three hours later as they were going to sleep <laughs> yeah. that night. And I think that kind of applies to these films as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. To jump to the last film, that fight they have mm-hmm. in the end, mm-hmm. before midnight, oh, yeah. that's like everything I wish I would have been quick enough to say. Or, you know, like, <laughs> On both sides. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, all over. Yeah, like, no. They are both like locked it's, and loaded. Yeah, it's no, a heavyweight. Totally. It's a heavyweight bout. But anyway, I don't know if I jumped too far, but I'm just saying. Oh, no, that's perfect. Yeah. Because I, I do want to talk about that. Because there's something so beautiful to the crafting of that argument that is so real. Because in movies, I feel like when there's an argument like that, you have someone who you know is right and who you know is wrong. And that is the perfect marital argument where it's like, oh, you guys are both right and both kind of wrong and are <laughs> both going about it the wrong way. <laughs> like, you argue yeah. terribly, but yeah. brilliantly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just bringing up the old shit and throwing it out. I was like, oh, yeah. Yep, oh, that's it. <laughs> We're going. You have that oh. one right there to pull out anytime. Yeah, yeah. Pull oh, out. yeah. Like it's like, mm. why are you bringing up the French friend? Like, what? Are, what's going on? This has nothing to do. I thought that was and like, a long time ago. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I do like too. Just the the like. I think the artfully display of of the male uh, tendency to want to ask a question, but always pilot the question throughout like that. He like, we, he wanted to ask to move to Chicago. We know, but he's been piling, just kind of beating around the bush in different ways. And like, I mean this, and do you really want to take the job? And then it finally comes out. And then he's like, (laughs) it just was so real. I loved it. Yeah. I I always thought the third one was just based on the, the fault line that we see clearly defined in the second movie, mm-hmm. his life, he's got a kid, you know, these, her life and fair, you know, like, okay, you know, relationships have fault lines and every mm-hmm. now and then you get it like a tremor or you get an earthquake and yeah. the fault line is right there on the surface. You stub your toe yeah. and you hit the fault line. It's right there at the <laughs> surface. It's, it's got dust on top of it or maybe some dirt, but it's not very far down there. It just takes yeah. some slight little unearthing and it's there. So, that fault line, oh, man, the third one I'm still recovering from. It felt like to me, someone said, have you, have you ever thought about making a horror film? The genre. I, said, I, have. I have domestic horror. Yeah. Oh, or midnight. Man. Yeah. yeah. So oh. at, at what, at what point did this become a franchise? Like, uh, cause clearly you, you, you made before sunrise just to make before sunrise with no yeah. knowledge that this was going to become what it became. Zero plan. Zero plan. In fact, I think that the craziest thing we ever did was get back together and try to do the second one. Cause that's the real leap. Like, what are you doing? You know, mm. like, you know, we always joked it's the lowest grossing film to ever spawn a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I would that? argue that's uncle Kent. Okay. Uh, yeah, but... yeah. We've been, yeah, we've been top. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But um, uh. yeah, we've inspired a lot more low grossing <laughs> sequels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, people were like, no one really wanted that film. People had a few questions at the end of the first one, but the same questions that are put out at the beginning of the second. Like, right. do they meet again? I don't think anyone cared. 
you know, it's like, did they, didn't they? But they didn't, it didn't warrant another movie. And although we had had this special time together, the three of us, I think we were sort of scared to go back in. But, you know, we mm -hmm. realized Jesse and Celine were still kind of alive in us. You know, they were, it was a new phase of life. There was something to be mm -hmm. said about it. We had to work out, obviously, the technical aspects of what did happen. Mm -hmm. you know, that was a little yeah. bit of talk about architecture, you know, to how do they get back together and what are the circum what happened then? So once we did that, it was fun. In a way, the second was the most freeing because we weren't getting to know each other. We had right. what to expect. It's the yet, Empire Strikes Back of this series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the Empire. <laughs> it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of people's favorite, I gather, from it's the shortest. Right. It's kind of the simple, in a way, it's the most simple. In a way, it's maybe the most romantic, too. I was going to say, I love yeah. it because it's the most romantic of them. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to talk about is how do you feel personally about uh, predicting the fleshlight launch? Uh, because uh, you totally did. I was watching, I was watching. <laughs> before midnight and you're they're talking about hooking something up to the genitals and it did it and that is a, that is a real device now uh years later As it be, uh, yeah you hear things like it's in the future everything goes to like porn and yeah. really they got that where it's hooked up yeah okay you hook well, it up to Pornhub and it goes with the motion of the video you're watching oh god well that's the end Congrats. of <laughs> You're a, regular, you. you're a porn Stradamus. <laughs> yeah, 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 you did it. You figured it out. Well, maybe there's an upside here. You know, all those incels who have guns and shoot up. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be in a better mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They that, have that, something that... to be doing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the new stimulus package we got to be sending oh, no. out. Oh, like, give give them all one stimulus package. Oh. Yeah, ooh. I think... <laughs> So we're like three years away from uh, from from nine years passing again. Do we, is before noon on the horizon? Do we know? You know, I gotta say it's different. The trilogy that that last one really was difficult. I don't know if anyone, you know, it's one thing to make a film about falling in love or rekindling a love, but what we took on in the third one was domesticity. You know, mm -hmm. and it, it's hard to make a compelling film about that. And we gave it hell. You know, we. We, we did that and we were happy with it. You know, we felt we explored what we wanted to, but man, it, it was, it was tough. It was the toughest shoot and it was the toughest script to kind of conjure. And it was tough to, you know, just where everybody was in their life. I mean, I think I, the next I, phase I, of the relationship is where they sit back and judge everybody else. That's just for personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Usually the, the thing has been about a five year gap after shooting, mm -hmm. after recovering from the last shoot, five years is when we realized Jesse and Celine, Oh, they've got some, you know, what's new in their life. I'm, I'm roughly 10 years older than Ethan and Julie. So I've always had, I'm in my early thirties doing a film about people in their early twenties. I'm in my, early forties doing a film about people in there. So I'm remembering a phase of mm -hmm. life that right. maybe I've lived through. And while they're kind of in it, you know, they're, of, they're, they're that age. So, um, yeah, 50 ish is the next one. Would it, what it would be. <laughs> and I don't know the the great idea, the reason for us all to get together has not yet emerged. I'm not saying it wouldn't, you know, right. But, it just hasn't, we're not going to do it just to do it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't we live know in what, hope, Richard. I, I don't know yeah, what yeah. motivates. It's, it's hard to say. There's no, there was never a plan to do three, you know? So right. yeah. 
Mm. But you know, it, it is a long life. So I, I really, I wish I, I would be completely honest if I had an answer, but that's my full, that's my, where we're at. I think that's all the time we have right now, but thank you so much for joining us today, Richard. Before you go, we usually ask our guests for a staff pick. Uh, is there any movie that you'd like to recommend to the audience right now? From all time and space. I have 16 year old daughters and it's so fun during COVID. We watch a film every night. I get to play film oh. professor. Nice. But I also get to revisit films. I mean, I have a film study in Austin that, I, you know, we do this naturally. But to see some films I haven't seen just lately through the eyes of, you know, what I think they're like. They're very politically involved. They're very, um, I don't know, seeking little kids. And, uh, you know, but I just, we just watched the Mick Travis trilogy, the If, Oh Lucky Man in Britannia Hospital. They're very current films. I, I, I wanted to show them If, because it's a radical film from 50 years ago. But, you know, it ends up, it's very much of its political moment of unrest. And I thought, well, that'll resonate today. And they loved it. They were, it be, quickly became their favorite film. Wow. I saw them watching it again. And then we watched um, Oh Lucky Man in Britannia Hospital. I just think that, speaking of trilogies, I bring it up because you're talking <laughs> there we about go. trilogy. Yeah. When people say, oh, it's one of the best trilogies, I said, the Mick Travis trilogy, Malcolm McDowell is so damn good. And Lindsay Anderson is such a great director. And those films are so fucking radical. I mean, they really are. Yeah. You want radical cinema? Those three films, let's start there. You know, they're, they're crazy, radical, beautifully conceived, shot, performed, just the best of cinema. So the Mick Travis trilogy, I think, is, is okay. forever young. Very cool. Solid pick. Well, thank you so much. That was amazing. You're amazing. Uh, you know, thank you, uh, I guess, for everything, oh, I think I'm going to yeah. say. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. anytime you want to come back and hang with us, just yeah. know the door is open. Uh, you know. Well, <laughs> I like what you guys are doing, and you're having fun doing it. So Thank Thanks you. For- All right. So we're going to take a break just as soon as we hear from another one of the shows on Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I don't know how to fix mornings for myself. <laughs> I do not know how to make mornings okay for myself. So the t-shirt, I don't do mornings, yes. isn't even a funny shirt. I no. shouldn't get it for you. It's sad. It's a sad shirt. Yeah, it's a sad shirt with tears flowing. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ifi Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Alonzo Duralde. Now it's time for our staff pick. It could be any movie at all. So uh, Richard gave you all the staff pick right before the break. And now we're going to have Drea pick up the pieces, grab the baton, and run forth. <laughs> yes. 
So um, my staff pick this week is a film that I programmed at Bentonville Film Festival this year, and it is released on Netflix as of today. So it will be out and available. It's called Lingua Franca, and I guarantee Mm. I'm saying it wrong. Um, (laughs) It is. um, It's created by uh, Isabella Sandoval. And I say created by because she is the writer, the star, the director. She edited it. She produced it. This is her third feature, but it is her first post-transition. She is a trans auteur, woman of color. She's originally from the Philippines, immigrated to America. And a lot of those perspectives are tied into Lingua Franca, which is she plays a, um, a woman who's trying to get a green card, who's a cleaning woman. And she befriends Lynn Cohen in one of her last performances. And oh, to wow. me, it's sort of, it's my little... Um, mirror with driveways and the Brian Dennehy Mm, performance mm -hmm. in that. Um, But yeah, I think it's just such a, it's a beautiful film about a very specific um, life path that not a lot of people see, but you can glean so much from it. And there's so much empathy and sensitivity and beauty associated with it. It's not all threat and horror, which tends to happen a lot with films that have trans leads. So I would check it out and support her. It is on Netflix. If you have access to that, do it. And being released by uh, Ava DuVernay's Array. Ava DuVernay's company, Array, of course, released it. Array, stellar job supporting the most incredible independent films, um, specifically from people of color with like great just ideas to stories that often get marginalized or don't get enough of a chance to meet the real world beyond festivals. So... So my pick this week was gonna be uh, this movie that I that I just saw this week for the first time called The Marrying Kind. It's a 1948 uh, comedy drama from George Cukor about a married couple uh, in crisis. It would go really well with Before Midnight, but it is not streaming anywhere and it's not in print on DVD, which is again why physical media matters because sometimes these movies just are, uh, you know, puffs of smoke that you can't nail down. So like next time it comes on TCM, you should try and catch it. So I actual staff pick since uh it is available on tubi um is a film about a couple coming together and coming apart and doing so while singing the whole time and that is the last five years uh oh. richard lagravenes's adaptation of the stage musical it stars Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan, uh, and it is about a couple who, over the course of five years, meet, get together, fall apart, and divorce. And the way that the movie is told, uh, the woman's story begins at the end and works backward to the beginning, and the man's story begins at the beginning and works backwards uh works forward rather to the end they meet in the middle when he proposes marriage to her but otherwise we are jumping back and forth in time between the two of them it is uh, beautifully put together the both the lead performances are great i really love the songs it is heartbreaking and uh romantic and affirming and crushing and all the things so uh yeah if you haven't seen it check it out it's streaming on tubi the last five years if you would have told me uh uh, that Tubi was going to be a streaming platform we'd promote uh, more than <laughs> once. I wouldn't have believed you, but Tubi has been coming in the clutch. So I got to give credit where credit is due. Good job, Tubi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my pick, uh, you know, it's so funny because as someone who uh, has openly said how much I 
dislike uh, scary uh, scary movies. Uh, they've been uh, popping up in a lot of my staff picks, and that continues today because my staff pick is a is a film. Let me see when it uh, originally came out. It, it had a very short run because uh, it was I think it was it was NC seventeen in the theater, or uh, it's it's not rated on here. It's in uh, came out oh this year shit this came out this year. Oh boy. You're killing us. The suspense <laughs> is killing me. 2020 oh, has been 10,000 years long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Color Out of Space. It was uh, uh, Richard Stanley's yeah. uh, d- directed uh, with uh, Nick Cage. Nick Cage in it up. Uh, and it's a a Lovecraft short story uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, like uh, we've we've talked about it before. I hate jump scares, love world building, love body horror, love dread, and this film has all of that. It, it really kicks it up, especially for I know in the horror community, there's huge practical effect nerds. Uh, you're gonna you're in for a treat with Color Out of Space and just the way it moves. And you know, I went and like looked up uh, some Color Out of Space, like the actual work of H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, what it, the short story it's from and that one spans you know generations in his story and they kind of were able to condense it in a way that works for a movie really well uh, I think they really kind of trimmed it uh, way better maybe all that racism was uh, kind of, kind of uh, keeping him <laughs> from uh, making a concise story uh, but uh, uh, but it's yeah it's gorgeously shot uh, it looks good it's a fun romp uh, so, you know it, it's like I said, Nick Cage is off-putting to some. He definitely makes choices in this movie that might put you off, but I actually really enjoyed it because it worked for what was going on, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah. But did, did y'all see Colorado Space? I'm curious yes. to what y'all felt about it. I agree. It. Oh, okay. I, I have not yet, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm still mad about Mandy, which I know a lot of people loved. That ah! movie just worked oh, my last yeah. nerve. <laughs> I'm, yeah, really, maybe don't I'm see proud this. of this choice for you, Iffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, You're I'm growing fine. up I'm so really... fast. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I, I'm all grown up and I like scary movies. <laughs> <laughs> like a big boy. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a big boy. All right. Well, now it's time for the five-star reviews. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on air. Just like this one from Just Likes You. Just started listening during quarantine and Iffy, Dre, and Alonzo are also fun to listen to. They're all smart and funny, of course, but their conversations are also always full of kindness and excitement. They're not cynical or too cool for anything, and I love that. And most importantly, their Fast Cast series not only ranked all of the Fast and Furious movies, but correctly <laughs> ranked all the Fast and Furious songs. So I'm basically a fan for life. Yay. Thank you. That's to you, Ify. That's, that's credit to you. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I want to say a big thank you to Richard Linklater Yay. for uh, hanging out with us. Woo-hoo! That was so fun. Uh, truly a uh, real blast. And uh, if you'd like to support the, our show, go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. And again, the number for the Who Shot line is WSY. 803-1664 and if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show tweet at us at who shot your pod our facebook group can be found at facebook on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash who shot your podcast or send us an email at who shot you at maximumfund.org our producer is casey o'brien our senior producer is laura swisher and this is a production of maximum fun MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.